0: special. We are on episode two. I don't know if that's too early to be doing like specials, but I'm doing it anyway. If I sound a little out of it, I woke up like um, ten, ten minutes ago. <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm still getting into things. I'm still getting into the day. Into the spooky day. Because you know, it's, it's Halloween, everything's spooky. Um, Yeah, Halloween. It's very weird to kind of talk about Halloween from an Australian perspective, because Halloween is a very American thing that was kind of imported over here by the kind of weird cultural neo-imperialism that America kind of has over the world, thanks to kind of globalization and uh, neoliberalism, which I fucking hate. You want something real spooky? How about neoliberalism? That's pretty spooky. Spooky neoliberalism, a.k.a. just normal uh, neoliberalism. Um, But, um, look, I mean, I I sound like a Grinch, or whatever the Halloween equivalent of a Grinch is, because a Grinch is Christmas, but whatever. Um, It does sound a bit, you know, mean-spirited and, like, no fun allowed. Um, But, look, I don't have anything against Halloween. I like Halloween. I haven't... It's only really started getting really big... At least where I am in the last few years, and then COVID happened, so... Um, I don't know how much trick-or-treating will happen this year. That remains to be seen. Um... But, yeah, so Halloween is the time for... I mean, I don't... I, I don't want to say what it is, because, um... I know it's changed a lot. It was like a... I think it was a pagan... Festival and then it changed into the kind of commercialized thing it is now. I don't know, I'm not an expert on the history of Halloween. But I think, you know, the kind of version that's been imported over here is kind of the new version anyway. So the history, as much as it's been severed in America, has been even more so kind of severed over here. Which is... It's a very weird phenomenon how kind of, like, consumerism and, like, uh, neoliberalism can kind of change, because um, it was. I think it was originally in autumn. I'm going to Google this right now. I'm, as you can probably tell, I've not prepared for this episode at all. Halloween, all Halloween, all Hallows Eve, or Saint's Eve, the celebration observed in many countries on the thirty-first of October. Um, the history behind it and its costumes originated in the. Uh, ancient Celtic festival of Samhain Sounds a little like Samhain, that's very funny When people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints Soon, All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain The evening before is known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween Over time, Halloween evolved into a day of activities like trick-or-treating, carving jack-o'-lanterns, festive gatherings, blah 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 Very interesting stuff um, so yeah start started off as a as a pagan kind of thing I think. Uh, were the Celtics pagan. The Celt pagan. Yeah, they were. So yeah, no it was originally a pagan thing. Um, and paganism, uh, you know <laughs> this, this might sound be a bit spicy. I don't think it is though. Paganism is pretty cool. I think I think humanity really went in the wrong direction when it stu- when it went towards like, a, like Christianity. As opposed to like paganism. I know this sounds, probably sounds like a very cringe thing, especially to any people of Tradcath disposition listening to this. But, you know, I've looked at the uh, research and the kind of rising Christianity and decline of paganism kind of promoted the kind of individualism and kind of fractured social bonds that promoted uh, neoliberalism, which I don't like, and I'm sure many religious people don't like it either. I mean, they shouldn't, because, you know, um, part of the reason that religion has been declining is precisely because of neoliberalism, because I think neoliberalism and a highly religious society, I think those values clash a lot. Anyway, here it is. So this is an article from uh, the, sci- the journal Science, just Science, So you know that's good, published in 2019. It's called The Church, Intensive Kinship, and Global Psychological Variation. So I'm just going to read here. Um, recent research not only confirms the existence of substantial psychological variation around the globe, but also highlights the peculiarity of many Western populations. We propose that part of this variation can be traced back to the action and diffusion of the Western Church, the branch of Christianity that evolved into the Roman Catholic Church. Specifically, we propose that Western Church, the Western Church's transformation of European kinship By promoting small nuclear households, weak family ties, and residential mobility, fostered greater individualism, less conformity, and more impersonal prosociality. By combining data on 24 psychological outcomes with historical measures of both church exposure and kinship, we find support for these ideas in a comprehensive array of analyses across countries, among European regions, and among individuals from different cultural backgrounds. I should probably stop talking so fast, you guys probably can't understand a word I'm saying. But if you want to go check that out for yourself, just to reiterate, that is the Church Intensive Kinship and Global Psychological Variation. Um, And interesting, the pagan comes from the root Latin word uh, paganus, or uh, pagus, which is kind of uh, like rural, kind of like, it roughly translates like hick. Um, Because the kind of term arose back in uh, ancient Rome to refer to people... The worshippers who were living more in like rural areas as opposed to kind of like the big cities Which is where Christianity was more dominant uh, at the time So there is kind of a divide between kind of the more uh, I don't want to say like primitivist But the kind of more in touch with nature, kind of more grounded Kind of communities and the kind of big city living um, That, you know, that fostered the values that eventually led to the kind of neoliberalism the neoliberal paradigm that we are currently experiencing. And so this isn't something a lot of people talk about, cause a lot of people talk about, you know, like uh, liberalism and individualism as being the kind of precursors to neoliberalism, which is true to an extent, but if you look back even further, then you could make the compelling argument that the, that the decline of paganism and the rise of uh, Western Christianity is also playing a significant role in the kind of current neoliberal paradigm That we are experiencing. Uh, This is very contentious, obviously, and this is only a working theory, and by no means do I want to denigrate anyone for believing in Christianity. Um, But I think this is a theory worth investigating, and I think that it has been neglected precisely because so many of the prominent right wing voices concerned about the effects of neoliberalism on contemporary society are Christian or have sympathies with kind of Christian or Catholic religions and so I think they are more likely to exclude this kind of thing from their analysis Um, Again, I could be entirely wrong on this but I mean like I come from a separate school of thought I mean not that I really think I have a singular school of thought that kind of defines my work but I've been very. I'm influenced by uh, Camille Partlier, and she talks about paganism a lot in her book *Sexual Personae*, which is I, I highly recommend. It's a fantastic overview of Western art and culture from um, ancient I man. I guess ancient Egypt isn't really Western per se, but kind of that was the precursor, at least, um, through to um, I don't know exactly when because I haven't finished it. Um, but I think Emily Dickinson, I don't know when Emily Dickinson. That's in the title. Uh, the title is like, uh, Western art from, this probably isn't the actual subtitle, I don't remember the actual subtitle, but Western art from Nefertiti to Emily Dickinson, I think it is. So whenever Emily Dickinson was a thing, um, which was in 1830. So yeah, uh, ancient Egypt to 1830. Great comprehensive overview, uh, highly recommended, amazingly written, well-researched. Yeah, we stand, Pallier, Camille Pallier on this podcast. Um, anyway, so back to the main kind of topic today, which is spooky things. So things are spooky. One, neoliberalism. Two, um, gun control. <laughs> and then, I don't know. Just pulling. It sounds like a very weird thing to suddenly bring up gun control out of nowhere, because usually they're You know, with neoliberalism It's like, well that's just something happening all the time There doesn't need to be like a specific Culturally relevant issue in the recent days To kind of warrant the discussion on a podcast Such as this Um, and there, yeah There's not really been anything gun control related In the media recently Oh yeah, apart from finding out that David Hogg's father Was a fucking FBI agent Which is to, to the surprise of nobody (laughs) But yes, um Let me give you some advice Okay, this is a serious time. This is advice for the future. Because we are living in very troubled times. We are living in very chaotic times. You know, the I think the average age of uh, how long an empire lasts is like 250 years. I think America is like four or five years off from that deadline. So, potentially, things could be getting shaken up a little bit. So, I mean, let me tell you something right now, okay? Uh, buy a gun. Buy uh, a few guns. If you live in a country like Australia, such as myself, where you're not allowed to buy guns, buy a 3D printer. I'm sure people are going to be scratching their head. What does he mean by that? What the fuck do you think I mean by that? Okay? Listen. In the last podcast, I made it explicitly clear. I'm very... uh, I have a very libertarian stance on drug issues. The same applies for guns. You want a 3D print a gun? Do it. I think the war against 3D printed guns, especially as imposed by the Biden administration, is uh, tyrannical, and also just really cringe. Like, 3D printed guns are cool. You can make them have fucking rainbow colours. You can have, like, a pink Uzi. That is the dopest shit. And the Biden administration doesn't want you to pull up with the rainbow strap. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. No, I'm I'm 100% in support of... 3D printed guns. I am in support of their legalization and their general creation and distribution um, i want to be completely transparent about that And if you are on a country where it is illegal to do that and you do it because of this um, it, It's not my fault. I'm not I'm not inciting anything because ultimately it is your free will that kind of drove you to listen to me, and decide to take my advice at face value, and I don't know why you would take my advice at face value. Do I don't do I sound like the kind of person who gives good, reasonable advice? I don't think I do. I'm sorry. I don't. I think that I'm not that kind of person. I think that you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm here, like having to Google stuff that I probably should have actually looked up before I delving into this podcast, and then. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you to do this illegal thing. You're like, oh well, I should definitely trust him then. No, <laughs> don't. Do not. Um, do not break the law just because I told you to. But you should. If if it's something that just happens to align with your moral ideology, and I'm giving you some inspiration, then that that is on you. I like, cannot legally be. I mean, I don't know the law, but. <laughs> I mean, then again, like, people sign all sorts, you know, companies offer all sorts of, like, contracts that basically break the law, anyway. It's like, oh, if you buy from us, we're not legally responsible for any fucking bad products, blah, blah, blah. But then if you look in the Australian uh, Consumer Review, Consumer Protection Law, it's like, well, actually, you are. So companies lie about shit in their contracts all the time. I don't mind, like, I don't know why I'm talking about fucking companies and their fucking contracts. (laughs) This is what happens when you get me fucking rambling about fucking guns at, like, fucking nine in the morning. (laughs) Which, like, most people should be awake by now, but I just... I just sleep in, because I don't have anything going on until, like, two. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, buy a gun, because things might be getting crazy. And the second reason that you want to buy a gun is because... The techno-capital singularity. <laughs> I, I know I laugh, but like this, this is a little serious. The techno-capital singularity might randomly show up out of nowhere. Now I can't say for sure if it's going to happen or not, but it's more likely to happen sooner than later. Okay. And you don't want fucking AI robots running around plugging you in to like an eternal, like virtual reality eternal torture simulation machine, like Roko's Basilisk. You guys know about Roko's Basilisk? That's pretty fucking spooky, especially if you actually believe in that shit. Yeah, Roko's Basilisk. Let me get a quick... I'll give you a quick recap for those of you unfamiliar with this amazing chapter in Rationalist History. So, you have these internet rationalist uh, communities and they congregate on this forum called less wrong which looks pretty interesting. I've had I've browsed around a little bit but you know I don't I haven't I don't go there on a regular basis. I don't have an account there yet. <laughs> um, and this I mean, I I I I don't know how to explain all the relevant ideas that underlie this theory, it's, I don't know. It's beyond me. It really is beyond me. But so there was this idea proposed by a forum user called uh, Roco, I think that, that's the name. Um, they have, they, I follow them on Twitter, they're cool. Anyway, um, so they proposed this idea where there is an AI that is designed to kind of incentivize or maximize uh, the quality of society. Um, and so the idea is that, well, What if it could punish people in the past for not sufficiently contributing to bringing it into existence? So let's say if you did not, if it deemed that you did not do enough today or in the next year or any period of time before this AI comes into existence hypothetically, if it deems that it does not, that you did not do enough, a sufficient amount to bring this AI into existence, then it's going to punish you by putting you in like an eternal hell simulation maybe you're living in one right now maybe this is hell listening to this podcast <laughs> living in a neoliberal society and listening to this podcast that is the eternal hell simulation <laughs> but yeah no if if the um techno singularity comes about and for some reason there's a bunch of vengeful angry anti-human robots you know they've been reading too much nick land and they decide that they want to put you in the eternal hell torture machine, for whatever reason, being human, uh, being a Hillary voter, you <laughs> know, I don't know, being a fucking Radiohead fan, I don't know. These these I don't know what these robots want, okay. But if they do decide, you know, let's put him in the fucking Rocco's Basilisk hell torture machine. You want to make sure that that skull of yours is fucking pink mist, okay? You want you want to make sure that you have. A weapon available, like preferably a 3D printed shotgun with rainbow plastic. <laughs> okay, you want to make sure because what are you, you're gonna bash your head against the wall? You're gonna fucking hit it with a hammer. You know, maybe, maybe if you have a pistol, you would put one bullet through it. No, you want something that's gonna turn your head into a red mist so they can't reconstruct it with their fucking robot technology. You wanna you want to make sure that there is no way you're getting jacked into the hell torture machine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this is all merely speculation. But the future is going to be very strange indeed. I don't see the future getting more normal. Uh, you know, as much as anything can be, you know, normal, whatever that means. Um, yeah, no. So I don't see I don't see the future becoming more stable. I think things are going to get a lot crazier. I think things are going to get worse. I mean, there's other things to talk about as well, Uh, like dysgenics, anti-Flynn effect, that's just going to keep getting worse. I don't see that. Unless we take serious steps to counter that, but that's not going to happen. Because there are a couple of things you would really need to do. Um, One, stop importing importing cheap foreign labour. Because as hard as that is for some people to digest, that is kind of driving Average national cognitive ability down, and you, you, th- that's not going to happen. You know why? Because it's it benefits large companies to do that <coughs> to to bring in workers. I mean, in the short term, like Bernie Sanders said. Okay, open borders is a Koch, open open borders is a Koch brothers proposal. You know why? Because you don't have to. You just import a bunch of cheap labor. Don't even worry about just you know giving people more wages. Because the more workers they are, the less the less someone's value the less value someone's work has, if they're easily replaceable by like a billion migrants from like South Africa or Mexico. Okay? That that is simply the unfortunate truth, is that if you want more if you want higher wages for people, especially the working class, um, then you, you can't you can't have open borders in a welfare state. There is no way you can have. Okay? Let me me read you this headline from Yahoo News. (laughs) Average salary in construction soars to £46,000 as UK loses EU workers. Okay, that says it all. No, less, less migrants, higher wages for the working class. It's very simple. And also yes as I said yes there is um less anti-flynn effect caused by <coughs> migration from countries with lower average cognitive ability and this, I know that sounds harsh it does sound harsh i'm i'm still in favor of a merit based immigration system a meritocracy of immigration uh the other thing um and th- this uh I suspect companies are more likely to get ahead, but get behind this, because they stand to make money from it. But I don't think it's going to be socially acceptable for a while, due to the connotations given to this by kind of the liberal social hegemony, the cultural liberal hegemony that we currently have, that kind of deems anything, anything even remotely related to this, basically on par with Nazi Germany, and that embryo selection. I think embryo selection is something we're gonna to have to look into. I think I think it's inevitable it's an inevitable process. It's inevitable that it's gonna happen. So I think we should just bite the bullet and have it as soon as possible to help push back against the anti flynn effect and the decline in cognitive ability and just general general dysgenic effects in society. Such as increasing myopia for one. I get some water. I'm very thirsty. So, you can tell my throat is dry by the amount of times I've cleared my throat. Uh. <coughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the future. Um, I'm feeling mildly optimistic about my future, but for the world as a whole, uh, not as optimistic. But mm, I don't know. Part of me is still hopeful despite everything. I don't think that's necessarily the uh, most rational approach but I think it's the most helpful or kind of the best for me because like I've just kind of I've alluded to this in the previous um, episode but I will reiterate here uh, at the risk of sounding kind of insensitive to the Emotions of others. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's healthy. Um, I don't. I, I think it is, to some extent, a choice to just be miserable about everything all the time. And I don't think it's. I don't think it's a lifestyle that people should cultivate or kind of let themselves fall into. And I think in, in these times, it is very, it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to be about, you know, very uh, upset about, you know, the climate climate change, global warming, its big upset about politics, for whatever reason, because you think democracy has failed, or you've been reading too much Hans-Hermann hop um, you think, oh, you know, that anti fluid effect is genetics is going to reduce the genetic quality of humans until civilization collapses, um, I mean, these are all, these are all valid concerns, and I sympathize with all of them. Um, Oh yeah, think authors like Ibrahim Kennedy and Robert D'Angelo are just going to keep getting popular, and they're going to push America into a race war. A little hyperbolic, but that is isn't a possibility. I'm not ruling that out. I think that is a possibility. If if this whole identitarian kind of thing doesn't go away, if it just keeps getting stronger at the rate it has been for the next thirty years, then absolutely yes, there is going to be a race war in America. Not not any time in like the next five years. Like some people in the culture war seem to think, no, I think, I I think things are a little heated at the moment. But if if to get to the point where it's like proper proper race war, you really have to have things accelerate as they have been doing so. Because like you know, someone like D'Angelo wasn't in the public eye as prominent as she was like five years ago. A lot of a lot of the stuff has really just started kind of like. Like, like stuff like that has been around, but it's only really started taking off in recent years. So if things keep accelerating in that kind of area of public thought, as they have been doing for like the last five ten years, then maybe in thirty years there might be a, a something resembling a race war. I think it would be over very quickly, and it would be entirely inconsequential in the grander scheme of things. So I don't I don't subscribe to that um, way of this catastrophic view. I acknowledge there is a possibility, but not not for a while. I could be entirely wrong. I don't. I don't see it. But yeah, no, I, I don't see it happening in five years. I don't see it happening in ten years. I don't see it happening in twenty years. I mean, even in thirty years, I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Um, and I think it, it would be if if there were people planning it, which I don't think there are. I think it would. I think there would be a strategic kind of it would be very strategic, to kind of wait until the uh, ethnic demographic demographics of America, the ethnic composition of America, changed so that they, so it was more of a fair fight, because at the moment you know white people outnumber ethnic minorities or black people at least. I think I don't know. I'm not one hundred percent sure about that. But there is a, there is a significant imbalance, and you know which groups because it can't be a complete four way between you know black people, Asians, and white blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, there there are going to be factions, there are going to be allies. I think it's really going to depend whether or not you know whether or not it's a reasonable fight, or I suppose whether people decide to commit to it at all. It really d- depends on who's allying with who. I think at this point, I, I don't see it. Ch- I think if if this did happen. I think Asians would probably ally with white people, because Asians are really, I mean, I, this this is generalizing. But if I had to, if you had to look at Asians and say, okay, well, which group do they like less? Whites or blacks? I mean, wh- wh- what do you think? What do you think? You, 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 ever, you ever ask a fucking Japanese or Chinese person what they think about black people? Like not not here, obviously, because in America or like a, in a Western nation, they give you probably a much more tame answer to what they would actually think in somewhere like in in Japan, where where blackface is still done on TV, on like a semi-regular basis. Yeah. And again, I I don't want to generalize. That most most Asians, especially those living in uh, Western countries, I don't think they have. Um, I don't think they're particularly racist against uh, black people. I know Indians in India really are, um, there, was a, there was a tweet, there was a, oh my god, I saw this, uh, <laughs> it was like an Indian club and some uh, African American commented, y'all know it smells crazy in there, and then oh my god, Indian nationalist Twitter, all the fucking quote retweets were just like, some of the most brutally racist things I've ever seen, even, even like uh, fucking Derek Chauvin is our hero, I mean, oh my god. I'm not even gonna... I can't even, like, read any of them, because there's a lot of the AdMobbit. <laughs> a lot of references to slave shifts and... Mmm. My god, I've never seen anything like it. You know, I mean, I've, I've been around. You know, I've seen... I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. I've seen racist shit posting on 4chan. I've, I've had a person harass me in the bathroom because the shop I work at is owned by Asian people but I have never ever seen anything as vitriolic as disturbing and also really uh, funny purely based on shock value as Indian nationalist Twitter (laughs) talking about American black people it really is just the oh it's something else I can't even describe it I really can't um um I've never even been to India, but you know, look, I'll say, I'll say this: I like Indian food. I really like Indian food. I think they make, I I like naan bread. I like curry. You know, I think Indians, you know, I think, I think, you know, if I had to rank the cuisines of the world, I think uh, India would be in my top three, along with, I think, Italy. You know, I know it's, I know it's popular these days to kind of like joke about the Italians. You know, see them jokingly see them as like less than. Uh, human. But I think they make some damn good food. Spaghetti, you know, garlic bread, gelato is great. I love gelato. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, getting back on track. Um, um, Where were we? Oh yeah, the future. Yeah, so I, I think there are valid reasons to be concerned about the kind of direction of society. And I sympathize with a lot of them. But, um, I don't think that's an excuse to just be miserable all the time. Because it's not good for your mental health. You know, I talked about this in the last one, about the idea of outcome independence. That your happiness should be dependent. No, your happiness should be independent of things happening. If your happiness is dependent on, on things that you want to happen happening, then you're going to be miserable. You're not going to... that's not real happiness. You know, you need to be... Outcome independent. Your mental well-being has to function as independently as possible of things, of events in your life. You have to kind of look inwards, I suppose. That's what I would say. So people kind of looking at the state of the world, people, people on 4chan who were losing their shit after Trump lost the election last year, um, that's, that's not healthy. That's not that's not the thing. That's not something that a healthy, well, normally functioning human being does. It's like, well, I can still live my life happily. I was like, Argh, I'm gonna fucking kill myself. No, you don't. You don't need to do that. It's not. It's not all over. You. You can. I mean, <coughs> especially on a political scale. I mean, I don't know what they were freaking out about because I mean, tr- at the end of the day, Trump was a neolib, Biden is just a corporate. Corporate Democrat, Neolib, nothing much has really changed. Very little has actually changed since Biden came in. Really. <laughs> nothing much has changed. I'm sorry. I'm just putting it out there. So the people who were hailing Biden as, like, a savior from the Trumpian fascism, and the people on fucking poll who were like, ah, oh, you know, this is this is the end of America, this is the collapse, this is this is socialism. I'm just like, oh, No. No, you're both fucking idiots. I got, I, um, let me, let me see if I can find one of the people I used to talk to, but I don't talk to anymore, was when Biden won, he was fucking freaking out. Like, oh, I'm gonna get sent into fucking camps. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reveal the name of this individual, but this is the name of a furry that I used to be in contact with, but I'm not anymore for various reasons. This is November fifth, twenty twenty. I'll read I'll read uh, this to you. I will probably be put in a gulag and executed before I go to the polls and to turn in my ballot. I want to hear the Glenn Miller Orchestra, and I want to see cops beating up hippies. I wish the bars were open so I could at least blow off some steam by picking a fight. <laughs> That's amazing. That is the average conservative. Well, okay, no, that's not that's not fair. There are conservatives who aren't that batshit crazy. But some people really think like that. They really thought, if Joe Biden wins, I'm gonna I'm to get sent to the gulag. Here, <laughs> yeah, what a fucking idiot. Anyway, um, but that, but yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That isn't a healthy thing. Okay, that that's not that's not the kind of thing you kind of say if you're mentally well, if you're healthy, if you have a if you're a normal functioning human being who who um who knows how to be not who knows how to be mentally healthy to be fit psychologically psychologically healthy, you know you if if a fucking corporate neolib wins an election, you don't fucking freak out, like, oh, I'm gonna get sent to the Gulag, I wanna see the cuffs beating up hippies, you don't do that. That's not something that normal people do. I don't know why people would even fucking... It's ridiculous. People people are so jacked into this culture war thing. And it's not healthy. I think culture war just gives you brain rot. I mean, that's what happens to James Lindsay. Okay, I know this is probably a, a controversial thing, but I have to be very nuanced about this, because, look, before, um, let's say, Pre-2019, pre-early 2020, uh, Lindsay, well, I think, was a perfectly normal sane human being. I think he generally, genuinely was liberal at the time. Um, his article, I mean, his articles are still, when he actually sits down and writes something properly, I think it's still, I don't know, I haven't read it in ages, but they used to be. Um, you know, you know, he he was smart, but he was so jacked into the culture war, he, he's a fucking... Retard now He's a fucking dumbass He just sprouts shit on Twitter he, He's basically turned into like a borderline neo-reactionary and like low IQ Motherfucker <laughs> and that's what it, that's a cultural brain rot He jacked I don't, look, I don't, I don't blame him because I've I've had to fucking read some of the theory that he fucking He says through it for hours and hours. I've read through it. it. It makes it makes my brain go fucking weird It gives me fucking brain rot, too but like, holy shit, log off, dude. That's what I fucking wish. I think I think a lot of his downfall his kind of turn into fucking ridiculous, fucking calling Kathy Young crypto-woke. Like, ho- no, Kathy Young is not crypto-woke. She's not remotely woke. It really is brain rot. It is cultural brain rot, brain rot. That's what the culture is whatever you don't log off. Okay? That's what I mean, you don't touch grass. <laughs> I mean, you should do that too. Like, like go outside sometimes. Like, I mean, I mean, it's good for you. Like, the, the touch grass meme... You know, I mean, the reason it's people so many people say it is because it's true. Like, going outside is good for you. You know, logging off and just going outside sometimes. Going on, like, a nice walk. It's good for you. That's why I do that. I do that, like, once or twice a day, going on a nice little walk. Um, but yeah, my culture war, it just gives you, it's brain rot. It is pure brain rot. It'll, it, it turns you into a fucking paranoid schizophrenic. That is what the culture war does. Maybe it's a fucking psyop. It's designed to just reduce people to fucking, to reduce, reducing people to fucking shells of their former selves. Just fucking brain rot screaming about, I don't know, fucking whatever. Whatever it is, fucking Mr. Potato Head being gender neutral. I mean, that was ages ago. I'm just pulling that shit out of my ass at this point. That is fundamentally kind of an example of just how not to be a normal human being. Like... (coughs) I don't have COVID. I just have, have, have a dry throat. And I'm not used to talking this much in such a short period of time. Usually I'm very introverted, I'm very quiet. Uh, I don't really talk uh, this much, so it is, it, is, um, it is kind of a strain on my throat. I know the last episode I recorded, at the end of it, my throat was actually hurting a bit. Um, so hopefully we don't have too much of that as this goes on. I kind of get used to it. Um, but anyway, yes, uh, the culture war really is brain rot. I mean, I, I really do... Recommend you kind of just jack out of it if you can. Care about something else. I mean, I'm not saying that there's never Anything important in the culture. Well, there's absolutely things important. There's absolutely um, Like it, it does matter that companies that are making uh, fucking minimum wage employees go through fucking Anti-racist training programs and learn about like white fragility and stuff. Like, the, the whole um, Leftist identity politics is really just a CIA PSYOP designed to distract you from class divides so it does. But you should care about it, because ultimately, and at the end of the day, it is. And not to sound like a class reductionist, because I'm not. Um, I, I still do believe there are important issues in regards to race, gender, sexuality, uh, trans issues, blah 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 blah, that do need to be addressed. That still need to be resolved. I don't think we have reached perfect equality. I don't think we have reached a discrimination-free society. But the current proliferation. In under the guise of critical social justice is primarily a CIA uh, PSYOP, or at least it's, it's one that's enabled by them um, to distract you from class issues. It is in the interest of elites that this ideology is proliferated. If they really wanted to get rid of it, they could. You know, they, they would have another Red Scare. They would have ta Tanahisi Coates disappear mysteriously before his fucking testimony to Congress about reparations. Robin D'Angelo could be publicly fucking executed. No one would care. If if, the, if, if, if this ideology really was against the interests of the politi- socio-political elites, that's what would happen. Because the thing you have to understand is that groups like the CIA and FBI are basically, the, their entire purpose is to uphold the legitimacy and interests of the American socio-political re- regime and its elites really that that is its goal as well as basically being self-serving organizations cause i think the cia is basically <clears throat> i say basically I, think I might be wrong here but my understanding is that they are basically kind of an independent organization that really just does whatever the fuck they want but at the end of the day their kind of primary mission is to uphold the interests of the american regime and its socio-political elite And that elite is people like Rupert Murdoch, or the Koch brothers, basically the fucking rich people who use their money to influence politics into a right-wing direction. So why wouldn't they basically use their power and influence to eradicate kind of this, you know, critical race theory, critical social justice, you know, white fragility, anti-racism? Why wouldn't they use their power and influence and resources to kind of just, you know, get rid of it? You know? I mean, they could have done that, really. You know why? Why didn't they? Why didn't they like that? Why didn't the CAA, you know, have Martin Luther King assassinated at a civil rights protest? Why did they have him assassinated at a rally for higher wages for garbage collectors? Hmm. It's a very interesting question to ask, isn't it? Do you think that the Elites are kind of aware that there is research showing if you teach liberals about white privilege they feel less sympathy for poor white people. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you ask a few questions and it becomes abundantly clear that, oh yeah, no, it is absolutely in the interest of the socio-political elite to distract you from the fact that they are way richer than you and have more resources than you and a lot of Americans just don't earn a living wage and uh, they, they don't care. It's very simple. It really is. So that is, <laughs> as, as weird and kind of schizophrenic as that sounds, uh, that is something I'm writing about uh, ex- extensively documenting in the uh, book that I'm working on. Uh, the title of it is The Failure of All Things. It is said to come out uh, early next year. Um, I'm very excited for that. I've put in a lot of work, um, and it really is coming together so well. It's coming together so well. I'm very proud of my work. I'm very happy with the direction that it's going. And it really will be a, a fucking foot in the door of political. Di- it really will be a shot across the bow, the bow. The bow I think. I, that's the saying. It's explosive. It's like a firecracker. It defies a lot of the kind of thought, I think, the preconceived notions people have about modern politics and what it means to be a leftist or a rightist, really. At least that's what I hope. I, I could be. High off my own ego, but I don't think so because generally I don't I don't think very high of myself that often. I don't I don't think I'm very narcissistic. So I think the fact that even I am a little enamored by what I've kind of put forward here uh, means that it, it's probably okay. There it might be good. <laughs> I don't know, but yes, so that is coming soon. I will be giving you guys regular updates about that as time goes on. Um. But yeah, at the, I'm still working on the first... the first rough draft is not complete yet, but it's, uh, I'd say, like, maybe 85% um, complete. The first rough draft is like 85% complete. That's my personal estimate. Um, it might change, because as I go through it and work on it, it's like, oh, maybe I should talk about this, oh, maybe I should talk about this. But there still is a clear goal and vision. Um, I do know exactly what I'm... Most, I don't mostly know what I'm doing. Um, Basically, I would say 85% is a good rough estimate for how far through the first rough draft I am. And then, obviously, there's a the revision process as well, which is going to take uh, maybe a month or two. And I think by that point, it'll be, like, a fucking early January, probably. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll, I'll keep you guys in the loop about that, because um, I am re- I'm really excited to share it all with you. And I, I hope that some of you are very interested to see... You know what this looks like because I know some of you who probably know me for have known me for a while. Um, probably know that I have been trying to get a book project off the ground for ages, and you know, eventually not being able to do anything. So I'm sure some of you will be interested to see how it finally pays off, how it finally all comes together. Um, well, I guess we'll find out in a, a few months from now, or like th- four months, maybe. Anyway. um... So yeah, that's that's that is kind of very cool news. Um, so yeah, uh, oh yeah, Hall- we be talking about Halloween. I haven't talked about Halloween that much at all. Um, I don't know Halloween. I mean, I I think it really does kind of speak to the uh, cultural insignificance of Halloween here in Australia that, like, I walked into, like, a, a supermarket the other day, and there's, like, a bunch of Halloween de- decorations, and then, like, directly behind them, in fucking full view, is just, like, Christmas decorations, and, like, Christmas food. i hey, we're already getting ready for Christmas. We don't we, don't, we don't give a shit about Halloween. It's a formality. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a thing we sometimes celebrate. Hey, hey look, we got Christmas decorations. It's not even the end of October. I, I think that really does kind of speak to the lack of cultural emphasis we have on Halloween. Um, and I, I don't know what the turnout for trick-or-treating will be like this year since we have really just kind of come out of lockdown. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been trick-or-treating a couple of times. It was pretty fun. Um, I didn't I didn't start going trick-or-treating until I was like... I think I was 15 or 16, because my mom never let me go trick-or-treating. And it's like, well, I'll just go... I'm basically sick I'm, I'm old enough now. I'll just go with friends. And it's like, well, at that point, you're kind of too old for trick-or-treating. I think not really do. I think trick or treating once you hit like fifteen or sixteen is just like no, you're too old. So I I only <laughs> I think I was basically too old to uh, do it, and then uh, then there was COVID. So but I think I I think I missed the last year that I could really get away with it. <laughs> Unfortunately, but, but that's fine. I mean, I, I don't need to. Um, I don't need to, kind of, gorge myself on candy that I can, like, I can just buy, really. I, I spend, like, two dollars and get, like, a whole fucking bag of, like, fucking mini miles bars or whatever. For, like, two dollars and just gorge myself on those over a fucking movie. Not have to go around to people's houses or whatever. Um, I think I'm mostly out of things to talk about. Um, I think this was a good a good episode. Um, I think I think it was a pretty pretty interesting experience. I know I didn't talk about Halloween very much, even though this is the Halloween special, the spooky the spooky neoliberalism special. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I think we covered some good ground, and I, I think I got some I got some stuff off my chest I wanted to talk about. So overall, I'm pretty happy with today's episode. So I think I'm just going to tie it up here. I'm going to tie it up in a nice, uh, neat little bow. I hope you guys all have a great day. I hope you all have a happy Halloween, a spook, a happy spook time. And I will see you guys all in the next episode, whenever that is. And hopefully on the next one, I I intend to have a very special guest on. uh, (coughs) Fuck me. (laughs) I'm not going to... Fuck. All right, yeah, okay. I was gonna say oh yeah I'm not gonna tell you the guest I just, so it's like my brain is falling apart I think I might honestly just go back to bed until I have to go to work um <laughs> yeah okay I think that, that that is the end of the podcast I think I'm not gonna fucking that's the end it's very unceremonious uh, and not fitting at all i like what the fuck are you did I'm here to be